Hey everybody, I'm Dakota Jean, your host of the Social Media Manager Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You're going to hear from Justin Green, our crypto expert and a friend of mine. Enjoy. Welcome to the Social Media Manager. <laughs> this is Justin Green. Uh, hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, so Justin, how do we know each other? Oh gosh. Um, going back to, uh, Fountain Hills high school, I guess would be, uh, where, where it all started and just through our friend groups kind of co-mingling, um, you know, had to be like, I don't know, 15 years ago that I first met you or something like that. So it's been a long time. But we didn't really hang out in high school. It was like post high school. Yeah, that's true. We knew each other, but we didn't really vibe. You know, we didn't really know we had these vibes going on until till later on, until we we fully sat down and really figured out, you know, what, what what's going on with each other's lives and, and what are we all about? So, um, yeah, but now now we're great friends and I'm really excited to, to be on your podcast. I'm really excited that you're making a podcast. So, um, you know, I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Actually, let's start it with that because uh, didn't you have a podcast? What happened? <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's it's a bit of a sore thumb at this point. Um, but yes, I, I am creating a podcast. It's called Crypto Society Podcast, which is very topical to today. Um, and unfortunately, I recorded a couple episodes and then my laptop got stolen a few weeks ago. And like an idiot, I did not back it up despite being, you know, in, uh, really involved with IT and technology and stuff like that. You know, is it just one of those things where I was like, yeah, I'll back it up tomorrow, I'll back it up tomorrow. And then I never got around to it. And then, of course, my laptop gets stolen. And uh, yeah, and now it's gone. So now I have to record those again. And it's just one of those things where, you know, it, you, it's really hard to motivate yourself to do the same thing over again, but I, I'm oh, yeah. going to do it. I really want to get this podcast out the door. So, so I'm crossing my fingers that uh, sometime in the next month or two, I'll have the, the first couple of episodes out there. And I don't really see anyone talking about this with the frame of reference to how a, a new society is being born. And so I want to bring that view out there and I want to talk about the, the new projects in the space and I want to explain to people how um, all of this is is relevant to everything from finance to politics to social media. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Maybe we should get into a little bit of your background. So what do you uh, do for income? Yes. Yeah, so my, my primary source of income is trading crypto. And I know that sounds <laughs> cliche these days, but but look, you know, I'm an OG. I've been doing this for, you know, seven or eight years um, and uh, I, I was really involved in, in the crypto space in, in the early days of, of Bitcoin when that was just the only cryptocurrency. It was just Bitcoin. And, you know, if you if you if you created another cryptocurrency, it was heresy. Um, and uh, I, I was just really interested in this idea that a, a currency was created, but there was no government backing it. It was just like, poof, out of the Internet came this currency. And, and it was so wild to me that this was possible. And, and I started to think about if we take this to the extreme and not only do we have currencies, but we also have digital financial contracts and digital property rights and, and all these things that are just native on the internet, what kind of world can we build? And I didn't really know where this was gonna go, but I knew it was gonna be an extremely powerful technology on par with the internet itself. And so I just had to be involved whatever way I can. And I had some trading experience prior to getting involved. I traded uh, uh, Forex and um, which is foreign, foreign currencies. So I knew a little bit about that getting into it. And I, I 
really, really was horrible the first couple of years of trading. I mean, no one, no one should expect to be a good trader when you first get started. But um, fortunately, I, I learned the groove and, and I figured out, you know, my, my style of trading and over the years built up my capital. During this time, I also worked in IT, in, in um, networking and, and network security. So my background was very relevant to understand the technology. And that gave me a technical edge to really say, you know, what has merit in this space and what doesn't, what's, you know, because obviously there's a lot of scams in the space these days. And sometimes it's hard to tell. They use a lot of buzzwords. And, and you know, if you're, you're kind of naive, you might, you might buy into that thing. Um, so, so that's a big part of it, just avoiding, you know, what doesn't have any substance. Um, and uh, just over the years, built up my portfolio from, you know, throwing every ounce of income I had at my portfolio and trading my own capital. And eventually got to the point where I was able to quit my job a few years ago and uh, do my own, my own thing. And what that has enabled me to do is get into what I really love, which is software development, particularly as it applies to cryptocurrency. And I worked on a number of different projects in the space, uh, worked for some other projects. And uh, right now I'm working on building some of my own uh, quantitative finance tools. And I want to eventually um, do something in, in that space on, on the cryptocurrency blockchain industry. So um, that, that's where I'm going. That's where my heart is at. And Honestly, I don't love trading. It's okay, but really, makes, yeah, <laughs> it's very stressful. I, I will say that because you know, uh, in, in order to make money, you have to risk money. And um, there's there's definitely been times like uh, if people recall back in 2017, there was a there was a big bubble where Bitcoin went up to like twenty thousand dollars from I think a low of like three thousand dollars that year or something. And um, you know, all the other cryptocurrencies did similar things. And so you just watch your portfolio just go to amazing heights. But then you also watch it crash down to, to crazy lows. And, you know, it's, it's really hard to trade something that is that volatile. And certainly I learned a lot from that experience and, you know, how to, how to manage risk and things like that. But there were plenty of days where I would just wake up, check the prices, and then just feel dead inside, completely <laughs> dead. And just I just wanted to, like, put on a hoodie, like, not show anyone my face and just, like, sit on the couch all day and, and, and check the prices every five seconds, see how much money I lost. Um, th there's really no way to become a good trader without it, having some of those really bad days. So uh, it's just part of the process. Um, but, you know, it's not trading for me. It's not really like intellectually inter interesting. You know, okay. it just kind of pays the bills. So uh, I, I really want to build things. I want to build cool software. I want to build technology that can change the world. And I think cryptocurrency is the best place to do that right now. And that is the passion that I am pursuing. And, and fortunately, I have the time and money to fund those pursuits. That's awesome. I mean, I would never do that, but I think that's awesome. Let's talk about cryptocurrency. Um, I think that a lot of people have a general idea of what it is at this point, um, it being around for a few years now, but um, for maybe like, someone like me and probably a lot of the listeners, how would you explain what cryptocurrency is? Sure. So cryptocurrency really refers to an umbrella of different technology, but fundamentally you have cryptography, which is, you can think of like encrypting data. Uh, and you also have blockchains, which is a, a form of database. And when you combine these two things, what you can end up building is this new form of digital law that allows you to create these enforceable financial contracts with people where you don't need 
a, a government to enforce these contracts. You don't need lawyers, et cetera. It's all ran in the software. And what, what the cryptography and the blockchains allow you to do is to have economic incentives that penalize you if you renege on a contract or, or you try to cheat the system in some way. And so that these economic incentives allow us to create these applications that have digitally native money. You know, we don't have to wait for a bank transfer to occur. We don't have to wait for, you know, some somebody at the government to approve a transaction, or we don't have to wait for regulators to approve this new style of finance. We can just write the software and people can start using it. And we have this digital, digitally native value that is being transferred around, whether it's Bitcoins or Ethereum or Dogecoin, whatever it is. You, you can have all these new forms of, of digital value and create all sorts of financial services and, and new applications on top of that. And we've really just seen this explode into so many different use cases. Every, everything from you know, high interest savings accounts all the way to trading digital art and NFTs and things like that. All of that is based on these fundamental principles of cryptography and, and the blockchain database. Okay. So that's really what it is. So it's still very complicated. It's still very complicated. Unfortunately, there's no way I can just easily explain to you how it all works. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to be saying what sounds like a lot of buzzwords. And then in order for us to really go into detail, I'd have to jump on this whiteboard back here and probably spend a few hours, <laughs> you know, going, hashing it out. Um, you know, but, you know, you don't have to really understand how the Internet itself works to benefit from it and use it. You know, you don't have to get into routing protocols. You don't have to get into how Wi-Fi works and everything like that. It just... It just at this point is a mature enough technology that it all works. And cryptocurrency is getting to that point. It's still rough around the edges right now. If you want to if you want to get your hands dirty and you want to start using cryptocurrency, there's going to be a learning curve. You're going to be downloading these, these weird apps. You're going to be having to, to secure your computer and your secure your own money. And that can be scary for some people because IT security, it's it's challenging. As the years go by, it's going to become as easy as, you know, downloading Robinhood on your phone and, and trading stocks, which they already let you trade cryptocurrencies. But you're going to be able to access the, the greater world of cryptocurrency beyond just just trading, you know, NFTs and, and financial services and things like that, just through your phone, just through some really simple apps. You brought up NFTs, and I think that that's been kind of thrown around a lot lately. So can you explain what NFTs are? Absolutely. So NFT stands for non-fungible token. The key word being- is fungible. <laughs> yes, yes. Fungible. So fungible means that you can trade one thing for another thing and it's it doesn't matter. So like dollars are fungible. I can give you a dollar and you can give me a dollar and it's all the same. It's just a number, a quantity. So a fungible token is just anything that has a quantity or, or anything that's like a share of a greater pot of, of value, like, like a stock share. Is fungible, right? I can give you that share, this share, or or a Dogecoin is fungible with fungible with a Dogecoin. You know, one Doge is one Doge. So an NFT, a non-fungible token, this is a digital value that is unique, and it's typically applied to some sort of property rights. So it might be in, in often we see today property rights with respect to digital art. You'll have some piece of art that if you own the NFT, you have property rights over that. Can, and that can vary with what that means, but it's unique. And if I want to trade this NFT for you, it's going to have some valuation, but it's not like this NFT is the same as another NFT. Like if we, if we swap NFTs, 
we're going to have different pieces of art. And so the, these uh, NFTs basically represent unique property rights or unique digital assets. And they also can be extended to the real world. Like you could have a house as an NFT. And if we trade around, if I send you this NFT, now you own my house. And, and you know, that, that could be a, a new way of doing real estate transactions. And so the key thing to think about is just the NFT is, is a digital representation of a unique object, whether it's a real object or a virtual object. And a fungible token is anything that is one for one tradable and it doesn't matter. Like one doge, one doge, one Bitcoin, one Bitcoin. It's just all, all uh, some quantity. So would like an example be um, if someone creates like an asset, a graphic asset online, would that be something that would be a non-fungible token? Yes. Yeah. So if you, if you create some, some graphic design, some piece of art, and you want to sell that and you want to sell the rights to use this art, display this art and what have you, you can attach that to an NFT. And you, you would have to use some software out there that allows you to create NFTs and attach it to this you know, image. But that's essentially what it would look like. Very interesting. That's actually a really good um, way to just generate some, some extra income. Because we're Absolutely. creating all these things all the time. Even social media managers, we're creating all of these assets all the time. Yes. The, the really cool thing about NFTs is it gives people a new sense of ownership of art and, and of a lot of different things. We're, we're starting to see um, the, the gaming industry pick up on this because yeah. um, a lot of games these days will sell you like hats and, and you know weird little things to put on your characters. And um, th those assets traditionally are locked into that game. But what they're doing now is they're issuing you this hat as an NFT. And you can, you can take that to another game that supports that NFT and they'll display the, the same hat. And so giving users a, a sense of ownership of this digital property really is the, the groundbreaking revelation here. Um, NFTs, because it runs on the blockchain, it's very cheap to create some NFTs and, and transfer them around. You, know, you don't need a bunch of middlemen and auctioneers and whatever to, to run this thing. It just runs in the software and you can sell NFTs for, for 10 bucks. You can, you know, if you're a prolific at art and you can, you know, draw 10,000 digital artworks, you could sell all 10,000 for a for dollar or something, right? I mean, you can go as low as you want and the, the economics work out for these smaller values. So just from a, uh, artistic standpoint, we can monetize a lot more things that previously were not. So earlier we were talking about uh, Web3. Um, should we talk about that? <laughs> yes. Okay, let's talk about it. Can you explain what it is? We had this concept of Web2, if you're not familiar. Uh, Web2 was, or Web2.0, was the introduction of interactivity to websites. If you remember in the early days, it was just like raw HTML, you know, and every time you click the link, the whole page loaded again. And what Web2 really brought was dynamic content to the web page and also allowing users to submit dynamic content. And this is really what enabled social media to be a thing. You know, imagine scrolling through your Twitter feed and every time you, you click the like button, it reloaded the entire page, you know, rather than just updating the little number right there. 
little little pieces of technology like that enabled the web to add just a lot more features for users and, and allow us to create these social networks. Now, Web 3.0, and I must preface this by saying there's a lot of controversy around this term because some people say Web 3.0 doesn't involve crypto and blockchain, but the, the crypto and blockchain community has, has, in essence, commandeered this term and said, you know, no, 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 we're the 3.0. And, you know, whatever you guys are working on over there, that's still Web 2. You know, Web 3 is the internet of value. Now that we have these digitally native assets, we can integrate that into web applications. And you can now say, when you like someone's post, you actually send them a, a token. You send them like one like token, and maybe you could monetize that in some way. So, so really integrating these, these digital native assets directly into applications, whether it's NFTs or whether it's fungible tokens, um, that, that is what the promise of Web3 brings. Okay, cool. I like it. So what is the controversy? Like why, why are other software developers, I assume that's who is complaining? <laughs> why would they want 3.0 to be their thing? Uh, you know, I, maybe, maybe they thought of it first. Uh, I'm not really sure, you know, where the origin of this came from. What I do know is that crypto is just a controversial industry. You yeah. either love it or you hate it. There's no real middle ground. And right. there's definitely a lot of people, particularly in older generations, you know, older software developers, people that are around since the, the early web browser days that are looking at this whole thing like it's just a fad and we need to just move on and, and you know, do real work and, and, you know, work with real technology, you know, and, and they just kind of view it all as a scam. So if, if you're that type of person, yeah, I can see, you know, having an issue with Web3 being crypto because it's almost like we're taking, oh, that, that nice thing you call the web, thanks, we're going to take that and we're going to use it for all this stuff that you don't like. So um, from that perspective, yes, there's a lot of naysayers, but I think those people are missing the forest for the trees. It, it, it really is a, a new type of app experience for users when you can directly transfer value natively in the app and you can monetize a lot of new types of things. I mean, there's people that have even sold NFTs of tweets Right. Like oh. you can just, yeah, you can just like package up a tweet as an NFT and sell that to someone. Granted, it's not exactly clear what <laughs> the rights give you. You know, yeah. does this mean you have the right to like display the NFT on your wall or something? Yeah. Um, that, you know, you got to be careful when you buy NFTs. You got to think about, you know, what actual rights is this giving me? Um, and the, the ultimate rights that you would have is true intellectual property rights over that image. And traditionally, you'd need some sort of legal contract in whatever jurisdiction to enforce that. But we are starting to see NFTs that are purely digital, where, where the content itself is hosted on a, a decentralized blockchain network. And in order to display this NFT to someone, you have to be the owner. And you can authorize people to view it. And you can authorize um, you know, derivative works and things like that. But uh, there are a lot of NFTs out there where it's just not clear, you know, what what the point of, of digitizing it was, other than than street cred. And don't get me wrong, you know, people will spend a lot of money to have street cred and to own, you know, somebody's tweet. Um, yeah. But uh, you know that that's a little bit more shaky ground. I think the real cool stuff is when you do actually have some sort of intellectual property rights over that piece of art or, or that digital thing. Okay. So how does this? fit in in social media at large and how do like how do social media managers sort of 
navigate this whole space, this 3.0. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the technology is still really early. There, okay. It's not like it's not like you're going to fail as a business if you don't you know, immediately go in and buy some NFTs, but you okay, need yeah. to be aware of it because this technology is going to change social media a lot. And there's going to be new contenders. Um, wh what we're seeing now is so-called decentralized social networks, social networks where the infrastructure is ran on a blockchain more or less, rather than in data centers owned by Facebook or Google and, and whatnot. And these social networks really return a lot of power to the people. And I think they give people a, a, a greater sense of legitimacy, you know, because there's a lot of backlash with Facebook selling user data and seemingly, you know, manipulating people with the types of ads and content they display to you. Whereas decentralized social networks, they are governed by the users. They allow the users to vote and decide, you know, how, how is this content moderation going to work? Uh, what sort of, you know, advertising platform are we going to have? They really return that power to the users. And rather than having a big corporation with a board of shareholders and, and Mark Zuckerberg sitting there going, yes, you know, what are we going to monetize today? Right. right. It, it's just all about the users. Um, so as a social media manager, you need to have this on your radar. You need to be watching for these social networks to, to, to pop up and start creating accounts on them, start getting a presence on them, because someday you may need to know how to manage your client's content on those networks. Um, you also, you might want to involve your social media presence in the NFT space. You know, you might want to start issuing NFTs for your clients, right? You, if you, you might want to get some digital art involved because it's very popular right now. People really like NFTs and I don't exactly know where that industry is going, but I would say you would be missing out if you didn't at least study this and, and keep a close eye on it. And at some day, mark my words, it will be so important to know Web3 and to know crypto that you, as a social media manager, you won't be able to afford not doing this because your clients are going to just go to someone, you know, someone younger than you that's more mm. hip with the technology that gets it. I fear. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and because crypto is just such a fun, you know, buzz industry, yeah. um, if you want people's attention, that's where you got to be and increasingly more and more every day. That's, that's what's happening. But like I said, it's still really young today. You, you've got some time, you know, it's not like you have to, you know, as soon as you're done with this podcast, you, you get up and run and start researching this, you know, if, 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 <laughs> I hope, I hope you do. I hope you do because it, it's, it's so fun. It's such a cool technology. It's such a cool industry, but you've got time before it gets to the point where you can't afford not to. Okay. So what I would say is just take your time, research this, you know, don't, don't feel in a rush and, and just carefully contemplate what's happening in this space. Keep this on your radar, issuing NFTs for your clients, or maybe that's just creating accounts on these decentralized social networks. Um, so, so keep those on your radar and I'll, and I'll name drop a couple for you. Um, there, there's one called district with a K it's district.app. Um, they're kind of creating a, a decentralized Twitter alternative. Um, there's another one called discover.io. It's like discover without the vowels. They're like a, a decentralized Reddit alternative. Those are I was going to ask if Reddit would be a, de a decentralized social yes. network, but it's not, is it? 
Well, there's some debate over whether Reddit's really a social network because, right. you know, well, a lot of people on Reddit, you would call them anti-social people or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. So true. I, I love, I love Redditors, but you know, I, I myself a Redditor. So, yeah. um, but yes, any, any user generated content platform that is going to be decentralized because okay. people are going to want to have ownership of their content and, and they're going to want to have a say in how this platform is governed and, and what happens to their data. All the complaints that we have about centralized social media, we can solve all those problems with decentralized. And it's only a matter of time before someone comes out with one where, you know, the app is easy to use enough and the technology is fast enough for everything that it just blows up and gets to a billion users in a couple of months. So, you know, things just change so fast these days in technology that I don't know when this is going to happen, but at any moment it could. And that's why we've seen Facebook do this whole you know, shift to meta, you know, they're, oh they're gosh, trying to, just about to <laughs> yeah, I figured like, I mean... let's talk about some centralized stuff here. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, Facebook, they're, you know, they're not dumb. They, they see what's happening and they know that uh, if they don't, if they don't do something about this, they're just going to, you know, they're just going to fade into nothing. What and... are they doing then about this? Cause meta, yeah. of course, like they came out with this you know, beautifully produced video and um, Adam Masseri, the head of Instagram, kind of came out with a quick video that was like, this is going to be really cool. Um, And so we're all like, okay, so what is it? What is Meta? That's a good question. You know, (laughs) people have been asking Mark Zuckerberg and the the top teams at at Facebook that very question. And we haven't gotten a good answer. It's more of a shift in philosophy as best I can tell. I mean, I mean, no one exactly knows what the the metaverse is going to be. And that's where they got the term meta. Honestly, come on guys, you could have thought of a more original name than that. I mean, meta, you know, it's just a common noun. So I don't know, but they're, they're really, they're really trying to, to hone in on this concept of the metaverse, which is, it's like these digital worlds. Um, and so let me just explain the metaverse real quick, and then we'll, we'll jump back to, to meta. Okay. So if you're familiar with uh, Minecraft, where you, you, know, you put these blocks down or you destroy these blocks, and it's just a very like, block-looking world, but people create these crazy creations in there, you know, giant castles and things like that, because it kind of lets you easily create these 3D spaces. So we've seen a couple of projects that have taken that idea but applied digital property rights to it, where you actually buy a plot of land and that gives you the rights to place blocks on there and build your thing. And people have been, you know, using this as like a social hangout type of scene, whether they're, you know, putting on VR goggles and going in there or they're just sitting on their couch with a controller. Um, but the, the whole point is that it's these digital worlds that give users ownership of things in the digital world. And the, the, the platform itself can't take away your land because it's designed mm-hmm. to be decentralized. There's no company that can say, ah, oh, you know what? We're not going to support this anymore. Sorry, guys. Anything you, any money you spent on this land, it's gone. No. Right. When, when, you, when you buy land here, that record goes on the blockchain and it's permanently there. And as long as there is a client software that will you know, render the 3D landscape, you can go see what's there. And... People are building these digital worlds and they're, and they're buying and selling this property and, and, and Facebook sees this and they're thinking that this is the new style of, of social interaction. And, and look, I mean, it's cool, 
But I don't know if this is going to be like, hey, guys, rather than a Zoom meeting, let's jump in this digital world, you know? <laughs> I don't know if I see that yet or like our company is doing that right now. No, no, it's wow. it's at this point, it, it, it's just a bunch of nerds, you know, that are that are playing around gamers, you know, real. it's a real niche community at this point. Um, but what's interesting is when you start talking about AR or augmented reality. And I think this is maybe where Facebook has a little bit more of a chance to do something interesting. So augmented reality is when you basically put on some kind of glasses, you know, Google Glass or something like that, and uh, it overlays 3D objects that look like they're actually there in the world with you. You know, whether you're looking at this table and there's like a cube on the table, whatever. Um, I, I remember in the in the early days of AR when it when Apple first supported um, AR type apps on, on the iPhone. Uh, there was a little, uh, app that you could draw some squiggles in the air and then it would be posted for all users. Whenever anyone went to wherever you do that squiggle and they held their phone up, they would see it there. So you could like digitally tag an underpass, you know, you go to some underpass and rather than spray painting your initials, you just squiggle it on your phone. Uh -huh. And if somebody walks over there and holds their phone up, they could see, Oh, you tagged this. And so it kind of created this, this cool little digital graffiti. Um, but that's just an example of how we can actually overlay these digital worlds onto reality. And I think that is a little more attractive to people. You know, I don't think, I don't think 7 billion people in the world are going to want to put on a VR headset and go, you know, build block castles and stuff like that. But I do think that AR will increasingly be integrated as part of how we use technology, whether it's like getting directions and it's showing you arrows on the ground and whatnot. And, and as we do that, the, the social aspect of AR and, and the digital world aspect of AR will become a lot more prevalent. And that's where I think Facebook could potentially have a role to play because they do have a huge user base and they do have an army of extremely talented engineers to, to build yeah. this thing. And um, if they are looking for a new market to get into and a, and, a, and a new market to really create in, this is this is potentially it. So that that's where I could see them going. But who knows? They they haven't given given us a lot of details at this point. But I yeah. will say this about I will say this about Meta is that, I mean, every time I see Mark Zuckerberg, you know, in an in an interview or or uh, you know, smoking some meats at a barbecue or whatever. <laughs> Uh, it, he, he looks like he's trying so hard to be cool. Like he's trying so hard to, right. you know, have some sort of social cred and, and whatever. And look, I don't, I don't know him personally. I don't know really what he's like in person. Maybe he's a nice guy. I, I don't really know, but that kind of projects to Facebook as a whole, where it's like everything Facebook does, it's like, it's trying to be cool, but it ends up sort of being lame. Yes. And I could see them just spending billions of dollars on all these engineers and all this research and building this AR digital world stuff. And it just kind of goes kaput because they're not really giving users what they want, which I think is a sense of ownership of the platform. And since Facebook is a giant corporation, the shareholders are always going to own whatever Facebook creates. Right. Facebook is not going to willingly give up power to the users. And if you have, a metaverse where you as a user 100% own everything you buy there. And also you have a say in the governance of this platform. Are you going to want to go over to Facebook where it's the shareholders that really own that and really govern that platform? I don't think so. 
So, so Facebook has this legitimacy problem that is going to be hard for them to overcome. And, and honestly, you know, there could be a lot of irony here because they might come out with a metaverse that works really great because they just have the best engineers and so many, so much money to throw at it. But it ends up being the MySpace of metaverses because, <laughs> it, you know, yeah, MySpace came out early and it worked well. The technology mm -hmm. worked well, you know, and, and got lots of users. But then awesome. Facebook, Facebook came by and it worked better and it was, has had a better user experience and everyone just jumped over there. Mm -hmm. And so Facebook could be killed in a similar fashion where they spent all this money on a metaverse. You know, it works well and whatever, but it doesn't give you the governance and the ownership that people really want. And that could be the Achilles heel for Facebook. And, and I just have a hard time seeing Facebook giving up power to the users like that, because that's really what Web3, that's really what crypto is all about, is empowering people, empowering the individual. So what, okay, will Zuckerberg, Facebook at large, uh, now meta, can they do this alone? Or do they need to actually bring in because the way that I'm imagining it, it's not a social media platform, right? Like Facebook or Instagram. It's not a messenger uh, platform like WhatsApp. It's completely bigger than all of this. Can they do it alone? I think they have enough talent there that they could. Okay. They've got enough money and they, they, they can just hire enough, you know, $500,000 a year PhDs out of Stanford uh, yeah. to, to, to make a, a cool product. But I, I don't think they stand a chance to give people really what they want, which Just again the is the ownership and the governance over the platform. So yeah. that, that's, that's really the fundamental problem here is that Facebook as a concept is kind of antithetical to crypto. And, to, yeah. and, and you know, they, they have an uphill battle to, to win the hearts and minds of people already. And to say that, you know, you're going to buy some digital property in some digital world from Facebook, you know, I, I just don't know if people really trust Facebook enough to, to do something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of bringing it back to, to social media managers, you're going to want to represent your clients in these digital worlds probably at some point, whether it's AR, you know, you want to put AR ads on the subway station, mm -hmm. or you want to build a, a storefront in a digital world where you can go buy your, your digital hats and things like that. Um, you're going to have to invest a lot of time and money into that digital property. And if you want to have a chance to recoup your investment, you have to be thinking about the long-term value of this property. Am I going to be able to sell this property again in the future to someone? Do I trust Facebook to be around in 10 years and to support this platform in 10 years, or are they just going to scuttle it and move on to something else? Or is the company going to, you know, go under? Who knows? Right? You're putting a lot of trust in Facebook and a lot of trust in Mark Zuckerberg to, to run this system for you. And I just don't know if people are going to want to invest the time and money into that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. So um, what if, people want to ask you some questions. Where can people find you? Do you want people to find you? <laughs> where, where should people look you up? Absolutely. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's uh, at jgrizzled1. And on Instagram, it's just at jgrizzled. So you can reach out to me on any of those. If you want to talk crypto, if you want to talk trading, you want to talk blockchain, you want to talk software development, even I, I, I'm all ears. I, I love everything about crypto. I mean, if, if someone could just listen to me all day, talk about crypto, I think I would just die from lack of eating because I would never stop. 
So uh, please reach out to me if you want to have a conversation. I would love to. Cool. And then when can we expect your podcast to go live? <laughs> yeah. Famous last question. Um, yeah. I, I'm hoping I'm hoping in, in the next couple of weeks, I'll get episode one out the door um, because I kind of I'm kind of, you know, trying to have a buffer of episodes, get a couple recorded and then release the first one. And then, you know, I'll have the next one queued up already. Um, but yeah, ne- next couple of weeks, look out for Crypto Society podcast on your podcast app. Just search that and, and you know, we'll get this ball rolling. Awesome. I'll, uh, I'll make sure to put it in my newsletter when it goes live. Excellent. Much appreciated. <laughs> All right. This was such a great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, teaching me all of the things. I appreciate it. Now I'm yeah. totally nervous because I'm like, oh, I'm so good at my job. And then we're talking about all of this new upcoming stuff. And I'm like, oh, should I, should I switch uh, industries? Maybe. <laughs> you better get some NFTs is what's going on. Right? <laughs> all right, I'll get on that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Justin. Well, thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Cool. All right, crew, that's it for today. I am your host, Dakota Jean. Thank you so much for listening to the Social Media Manager podcast. Head to our YouTube channel, The Social Media Manager, to view this interview on video. I'll see you next week.